You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi. This is episode number 979. We love reviews of our show on your favorite podcasting software. It's a great way for others to find the radio program. You know, since we started our show in 2009, we've reached hundreds of thousands of listeners with our podcast and live stream. If you would be so kind as to write a review, I would greatly appreciate it. We've invited Kumar Arora. He's an advisor at Youngery to be on the show. In addition to being an advisor at Youngery, he's a serial entrepreneur and an angel investor behind many notable startups and brands. Whether it's being a consultant or an investor, Kumar is always pushing his work. He just finished season one of the CNBC show Cleveland Hustles, produced by LeBron James, and invested $200,000 in a firm to expand manufacturing and distribution. He joins us today to share more of his experience and his driving push in entrepreneurship. Kumar, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's start very simply. Tell our audience a little bit about your background. And you know, I gave a little bit in the open, but take us back a little ways and kind of get us to where you are today in your career. <laughs> well, that's a long story, but I'll try to shorten it. But my name is Kumar, and I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, born and raised, and um, uh, most of my businesses that I've invested into and I work on are in the between, all the way from nanoscience to fashion to entertainment. And uh, it almost, in a sense, led me to you know what you mentioned with Cleveland Hustles on CNBC is uh, the work I did on the show, and it's very similar to Shark Tank. And uh, kind of a cooler story to me is that we started you know the same way with with the negotiations and the pitch but then after that you get to see the storyline after of what happens with those businesses so you mentioned my current business right now is a company called old city soda and uh i invested two hundred thousand dollars and we're a handcrafted soda made right in cleveland uh what is the why why is handcrafted soda made in cleveland something special well for a variety of reasons one the storyline you know when it comes to building a brand or creating something there's a lot of heart and a lot of passion we don't have a craft soda coming out of ohio let alone the midwest that's well known and um craft soda is a, a an emerging market just the same way craft beer was years ago and uh we're trying to kind of jump into that lane quick enough to um enter that market so um, in, in the right way Sorry, and I, uh, in the same token, beyond just the brand and, and the story, um, just the, the advocacy of a better product. Instead of making something full of chemicals, we're making a handcrafted product um, that's full of fruits, organic, and uh, no artificial sugars or colors. So, th- so that was what, where I was going to ask you. Now, sorry for talking over you here on Critical Mass Radio Show, but I, I was wondering what is the you know what is the kind of make up the profile of the product and and you sort of started to touch on that so so yeah what what have you found in your results so far in bringing this brand to market oh well it's interesting for me i'm, I'm not a food and beverage kind of guy i've invested into tech into fashion and into science but now i'm working in lifestyle with with a food and beverage market and i'm learning so much every day it's it's exciting for someone like me who goes from entrepreneur to investor to an active partner to learn a new industry that I've never been in. And in the case of soda, I, I've learned that, you know, there, there's, you've got your top dogs, you've got your independent brands, and, and you are a very, very small fish in, in, a, in a very large industry. And um, navigating accounts, navigating wholesale accounts, 
uh, distributors isn't an easy thing to do when you've got companies like Coca-Cola kind of controlling much of the market. So it's, uh, it's an interesting challenge with this industry, but it's, it's almost what makes it more exciting, too. We're talking with Kumar Aurora, and we're talking about one of the many ventures that he is behind, either as an entrepreneur, investor, or partner. Um, are there lessons to be learned from the craft beer industry that can be applied to the craft soda industry? Oh, yeah. I think that um, it's a parallel in, in so many ways from the beauty of a handmade product, more locally made, regionally made, um, having that homegrown uh, authenticity to it. That's what people like to hear. I mean, especially as millennials and older folks, we all resonate when we know where this is made or we know why it's made. And I think that's similar in a sense with craft soda. People are going to start to catch up. The way they've fallen in love with their local their local brands, they're going to start to see that same, uh, they're going to resonate the same way with soda. So we're, we're trying to get in there early and, and trying to just help advocate that, that market we're talking with Kumar Aurora, and um, in the spirit of full disclosure here on Critical Mass Radio Show, uh, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, and so I am familiar with and have many relatives in the greater Cleveland area. So that um, the Cleveland, the there's it's a it's a town that's filled with civic pride. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, whether it's food or sports or just our culture uh cleveland and the midwest you know we represent a different type of breed i think in america and you know we're very hard-working people we know how to hustle and uh we know how to rep our city yes yes and um yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's important because uh, you know uh, i'm very proud of uh of my roots in pittsburgh my family's still there uh i have the steelers and the penguins so you know there's also sports tend to be very important in cities like Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Detroit and other cities as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the very the the residents are very many times very invested in the success of their sports franchises and in the identity of the of the organization. So, how how did you get to this point where you are a partner, an investor, and an entrepreneur? I mean, w- what is it about you that allows you to kind of wear so many hats? I think it's a, it's a few different parts to my overall story. But for me, one of the biggest things was that as a millennial, I graduated in 2008 right during the recession at Ohio State University. And um, at that moment, I was looking for a job. And, and I was speaking with my advisor, and she said, if you can't find a job, you're going to have to make one. You're going to have to survive. <laughs> and I, to myself, tell myself, you know, maybe I have become a byproduct of the economy. I uh, struggled for a a little bit of time but in the same token it was almost like being thrown into the jungle and i had to come back out with a a fur coat and a full stomach i had no choice i have to do that to survive and luckily for me i joined and and jumped into entrepreneurship quick enough at an early time it's now been you know 12 some years and i had two strong exits and i've now been able to put my efforts towards uh in a sense glorified hobbies whether it's fashion (laughs) or the work that i do and I get to work on the things I love to work on now, and and the investments I make, the the, the people I work with, and the projects and the, and the clients I work with are uh, people I enjoy to be around. And um, for me, it's such a long story of how I got to that, but I've always learned that you all should you should always just have the thirst for knowledge and keep learning because you never know what skills you pick up and how they'll be useful. And in my case, um, you know, my early years, I was. Um, studying science, I was working on robots, I was 
um, doing DNA research in high school. I was learning programming. And these same exact principles, theories, ideas, uh, work that I'm doing applies today, mm. ironically enough. Like I today, I, I now work in the e-commerce world. I, I work on manufacturing with robots for some of my businesses. So it's uh, it's really cool because I never realized I was becoming an entrepreneur as a child in some ways. But who in 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 doing so with all these little pieces along the way of things I've learned, I'm now able to make use of those those skills. That's interesting because um, as yeah. I'm the father of two millennial children, and when they were growing up, I was uh, giving them advice, suggesting that they learn everything they can at the time that it's presented to them because you never know later in life when you might be thankful that you know that, whether it's a foreign language or an instrument or technology. Right. So uh, you're, you're living that embodiment of that. And the interesting thing is, is that um, with myself and maybe your kids, we didn't have an entrepreneurship class in school, in grade school. It wasn't a major in in college, let alone even mentioned until Steve Jobs and, and Zuckerberg really blew up. It wasn't something that was common knowledge. The term entrepreneur like existed, but it wasn't uh, a common reference. It was they never, no one really talked about self-employed people back then. It was always, what do you want to be when you grow up, and what kind of job do you want to have? But it was never what. what kind of business do you want to own or what kind of projects do you want to work on it, that never came up when i grew up so you know going back to the idea of a byproduct of the economy i feel like i was almost forced into it and then all of a sudden now that i'm in the jungle i have to go back and think about everything i've learned thus far and how i can utilize it to create a living well it seems that your counselor at ohio state <clears throat> if i <laughs> if i got your story right gave you a great life lesson by telling you you to create your own job all right, we're yeah, going to take. I wanted to hear at the time. Yeah, course, right. You know, yeah. I paid to go to college, but hey, I mean, I learned some things in college too. Okay, so kind of funny. So we're going to take a very short commercial break here, just one on Critical Mass Radio Show and podcast, and and it's it's less than a minute. So if you're listening to us live on the stream on octalkradio.net, don't go anywhere. And if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other platforms, please stay with us. It's a short commercial for something from me. <laughs> Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi. You know, a great way to stay informed about our guests is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Simply go to criticalmass4business.com. That's our website. At the bottom of any page, any page on the website is a join our mailing list box. Simply enter your email address, hit subscribe, and like magic, you'll start receiving our weekly newsletter. That's the only thing we do with your email address. We don't do anything else other than enroll you in our weekly newsletter. Um... Uh, Kumar, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is uh, a question came from the audience about Jones Soda. 
Are you familiar with Jones Soda? Yes, I am. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that, um, there was obviously a lover of Jones Soda. And then another question came, in your craft soda, do you have a root beer flavor by chance? We do. We do have a root beer. Okay. How many different flavors do you have? Uh, our core flavor is uh, set flavors are eight. We have um, everything from cinnamon to root beer to lemon, orange blossom, hibiscus. A lot of fun flavors, and they pair perfectly with alcohol. That's kind of uh, <laughs> part of our brand is that, you know, it's a very high-end premium craft soda, but it's the best when you mix them. So when you whether you want to make a Moscow meal with our ginger beer or um, take our cinnamon soda and mix it with some liquor, it's, it's almost perfect. And it's, in a sense, a way to grow up because we've been drinking Mountain Dew, Coke, Sunkiss as kids, but we still want to drink soda, but it would be nice to have something that, you can mix with obviously alcohol, so we're like the grown-up version of our favorite soda brands. So, so you have seen a lot of different business models and experienced and participated in a great number of them as well, and had successful exits. Where, uh, as you mentioned in the first block as well, is is there one or two overarching things that you've seen um, that entrepreneurs need to be aware of that allow them to be successful at scaling their entrepreneurial venture? I think the biggest thing I see when um, entrepreneurs come to me for investment or um, things for scalability, that's usually like the second phase. It's usually first step is startup and growth. The second one is how do I scale it after that? Um, The one thing I've I've been seeing lately, um, more so in the past year, is that entrepreneurs are missing the, the the aspect of humility with a pitch deck or an, um, or a request. We, well, we often see these perfect lives on Instagram or these perfect um, ideas on paper, but sometimes as an investor, I want to see what's wrong. What are the problems that hold you as, as a person back or what are the problems that are holding your business back? If you're more humble and you can explain those problems, those challenges that you have that are real, not something that, oh, I need money to do this, or I need money to make manufacturing. Those aren't real problems. I want to hear core problems about yourself. If you're that willing to show me your wounds, then that tells me that you have the uh, ability to fix them and then scale up. I've, I've noticed that everyone's been trying to live a very perfect, um, you know, Instagram life, you could say, with the perfect picture, the, the perfect aesthetics, and <laughs> I think that's that's now being converted over in, into the investment world with these perfect uh, pitch decks. You know, I, I like to see I like to see some scars. I like to see the battle wounds in some ways, and I think that's been an, an ongoing issue. I think in the last couple of years now is that a millennial issue or is that an entrepreneur's issue, regardless of age? I think it's regardless of age, okay. because we always want to appear perfect to others, but I think that when you're seeking investment or you're a startup entrepreneur, you have to be open to talk about your, you know, the problems that you face. I am not afraid of telling people my own challenges, my own problems today, right now. Just because I'm successful doesn't mean I don't have problems. Similarly, if you're a small business owner, you're a startup, or you're looking for investment, any three of those categories... You should be willing to tell someone, this is my current problem, I need help, can you help me? Or, I have a problem, you have a problem, how can we find a way to help each other? You know, I believe in social learning. Um, I My first book, uh, The Power of CEO Peer Groups, is about peer learning. And I, and I think um, people should be very, entrepreneurs have this image of a, uh, 
taking it on their own and charging the hill and and what I think is much more beneficial to them is if they find men- mentors and peers who are willing to give them honest feedback and the benefit of their experience so that they can learn from it rather than having to go through the same experiences that learn the lessons themselves. What do you say to that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. So we only have a couple minutes left here on the program, and, and I, I understand you have a book, Eclipse. Is that correct? Yes, I've been uh, working on a book. It's been tough because obviously filming um, nearly almost all of last year um, pulled me away from my own writings. But yes, I am working on a book that's going to be coming out later this year. So the title, do I have the title correct in Eclipse? Yes, it's called Eclipse. And what's the significance of that name? Um, it's actually interesting. There's a lot of symbolism behind that name. And I, I've learned in the last few years that branding and marketing these days you know, long time ago, maybe 10 years ago, there was a distinct difference between that branding was your content, um, you know, your logo, your color scheme, your purpose, whereas marketing was your outreach, your sales. Um, but now in today's society and the way we work, there's a blend between two. Sometimes you don't even know what's what. You know, and a great term would be content marketing. That's part yes. branding, part marketing. Yes. And I've learned that in order to be successful at branding and marketing, you have to create an eclipse where you have both branding and marketing going on at the same time. So my book kind of delves into ways to achieve both and the separations between them so you can identify. So it's almost kind of a a beginner's world of of how you can effectively work on marketing, work on branding, and how you can eventually create the eclipse for yourself and do both. When will the book drop, do you think? When when do you think it might be? Uh, Right now we're looking at a release of fall of later this year. Would you be willing to come back on the radio program? Oh, of course. Okay. Happy to. Okay. Uh, I love the name. You know, you talked about content marketing, and you have have the institute right there in Cleveland, Ohio, with Joe Polizzi and the Content Marketing Institute. Mm -hmm. That's outstanding. We're big practitioners here in the critical mass community. This program is a part of my content marketing strategy. I think for entrepreneurs, you developing a content marketing strategy is a very powerful way to organically make your company relevant to large swaths of prospects who might be interested in your products or services. Definitely. So I'm glad to hear that. Well, I'm excited that you're adding to your quiver being a published book author. That, that, takes, <laughs> a, that takes a different skill set yet again, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Because that 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 and and it'll be um, and you and you have a strong name. So if 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 the audience would like to learn more about kind of what you've experienced and kind of teaching them online, where would you suggest they go, Kumar, to find out more about you? Um, the best way to read more about myself is my website. It's just my name, Kumar Dash Aurora. That's K U M A R Dash Aurora A R O R A dot com. And then across the board with all my social media, my username is Aurora 7 So whether it's Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, Friendster, you name it, I'll be on there. So that's the easiest way to get a hold of me or see what I'm up to next. I really appreciate the time you've given to us here on the Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast today. And I want to thank you for being a friend of the program and welcome you to the Critical Mass Learning Community. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks again. Thank you for your time. I truly appreciate it. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this episode of the Critical Mass Radio Show. I have to introduce, or at least I have to thank, not introduce, but thank Paul Roberts. Why? Because he's sitting here. He's our engineer, our, and also he does a great job. Our producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. I'm your host, Richard Francie. If you'd like to learn more about the radio show or the CEO peer groups that I lead, check out Critical Mass for forbusiness.com. Also, my latest book, Killing Cats, Leads to Rats. There's information on that book on my website. We'll be uh, delivering, dropping that book in August. Until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.